0: many of you want to receive the seal of God and be part of that 144,000? Amen. But do you know much about 144,000 and and what they are, who they are, and how you can be part of it? We don't really talk about that much. Even though it is a controversial topic, we don't talk much about it. So we want to talk about that. So my sermon title today is 144,000 and the seal of of God. May God will bless us as we study from his word about that group. Revelation chapter 6, um, verses 12 through 17, talks about how um, the seal of God, um, the seal uh, in the book, the seven seals are opened. And as each seal opens, the history uh, reveals itself. And if you go to the sixth seal, Um, that's revelation chapter 6 verses uh, 12 through 17 there is a great earthquake and sun becomes black as sackcloth and moon becomes like blood and the stars of heaven fall on the ground like the fig tree would drop its uh, late figs in a mighty shaken by the mighty wind so that's what happens but if you read the sixth seal and then it goes on. It's still part of the sixth seal. It goes on. Then the sky reckoned as a scroll when it is rolled up. Every mountain and island was moved out of its place. Now, has this happened yet? Scroll uh, The sky rolled up as a scroll, and every mountain and island moved out of its place. Has that happened yet? No. But has the sun or the earthquake and sun becoming black and the moon becoming like blood and stars falling, has that happened? Or have those events happened? Yes. When did they happen? Was it like two years ago? They happened quite a bit ago, quite, some time ago. So earthquake, the Lisbon earthquake, happened in November 1st of 1755. And the dark day happened in May 19th of 1780. And... The moon turning into blood happened the same the, ne- the next day at night. And star falling happened in November 13 of 1833. So how long ago was that? It was 187 years ago. So can you think about that? The sixth seal that talks about how those events will happen. And then the events that had happened happened 187 years ago. And the next event that happens according to this, this verse is that the sky will roll away and the islands and the mountains will move. When will that happen? Time of Jesus' second coming. So we are living right at that time, right between those verses. And the next event that will happen is that. And basically says when that happens, the last question it, it asks and at the end of chapter 6 is that who shall be able to stand when that happens who shall be able to stand when that uh, happens like and basically people will say uh, they will talk to the mountains and the rocks and fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand So that is the question. And people, if you are not saved, if you don't have the seal of God at that time, what do you think you will say? What will you say? You will say, the rocks fall on us and hide us from the presence of God and His face of God. That's what the people who do not have the seal of God or the mark of the beast will say. People who have the mark of the beast will say that. But people who have the seal of God, that answer to who shall be able to stand the answer to that question is found in chapter 7 of Revelation. And also chapter 14 talks about uh, the the 144,000. So let's get to this part, chapter 7 and chapter 14, as we live in this time of the sixth seal, verses 13 and 14, between the verses 13 and 14 of Revelation chapter 7, or chapter 6. So uh, chapter 7, verse 2 talks about how the seal of God is. Okay, so Revelation, Revelation chapter 7, verse 1. It says, After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth. To prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. And then the list goes on of which tribe and so on and so forth. So it says the seal of the living God. What is a seal? Do you use a seal? Do you have a seal? Today, we don't really use a seal. Instead, what do we do? If you want to do something, you sign a document, right? If you are buying a house, if you are signing a contract, you simply go and sign, put a signature. If you write a check, you sign a signature. That signature means you authorize it, right? That's how it works in our days. In the Bible times, it didn't work that way. For people with authority, for them to give their word, they would use a seal. You know what a seal is? It's a small Uh, a seal is a like a a little shape that has uh, indentation inside so if you were to have like clay or wax hot wax then you would roll the seal over it and then it would make imprints on it and it would say you would either have writings or have pictures or something to prove that is the seal. Or sometimes they would have a ring, a signet ring, and they would put clay or wax and they would put, press the seal upon it, and then the seal will make an imprint. And it will say, This is the seal from this king or this, this governor, or so on and so forth. That's what it meant, the seal. Now, that seal. Um, In our days, um, have you seen a seal instead of a signature today? Like something that is close to a seal would be like, if you were to uh, order a a transcript, like official transcript, a lot of times it's just an automatic, it, it just goes, right? But if you were to actually order a transcript from a school, it will come in an envelope with a seal, or like a tape, or sometimes it has notary seal on it, like, and you can't open it. If you open it, it's void basically, right? So that's what the closest thing that we can get today. But that's what it is, and remember in the Bible times, that's how they would seal something so that they cannot open it. Do you remember any time in the Bible where the seal was used? To seal something up. Tombs. Yes. Um, tombs, yes. Uh, So, one example is that uh, in the tomb of Jesus, there was a seal of who? Pilate's seal. So that, what was the purpose of the seal? After they put the body of Jesus inside, and they put a seal on it, so that disciples cannot steal the body and say, oh, he has risen. So they can't say it. Or, they can't have the, the Pharisees or people, the enemies, whoever wanted, to go inside and, and damage or, or do something, harm the body, the dead body. So it was, a, it was sealed. How about um, if you go to the story of Daniel, Daniel, when he was thrown into the lion's den, Darius put a seal on it, his seal on it, so that, so that other people cannot go and kill him. I mean, he wanted to protect Daniel inside rather than from the lions. (laughs) Um, So the Bible says in Daniel, um, in the story, chapter 6, it says uh, he put his seal on it so that nobody can open it. So seal basically means you cannot open it unless you're authorized to open it. That's what that means. It protects what's inside, protects from other uh, outsource, but also it means to to, um, seal it. And on the tomb of Jesus, when the seal of Pilate was there, so nobody else, nobody could open the seal. But you know what happened that Sunday morning? Who opened the seal? Who opened the door? The angel came from heaven and like, this seal, this means nothing. (laughs) The angel just rolled away the stone and says, Jesus, God is calling you. Please come on, come on out. And Jesus rose himself up and came out of the tomb. He rose again. So someone who has greater authority than the the owner of the seal can break open the seal without any problem, right? So that's what happens. So if you read the story of Revelation chapter 5, John the Revelator is crying because no one is worthy to open this, this scroll that has seven seals. And he's crying over. And one of the elders says, Do not cry. Because the lion of the tribe of Judah has overcome, now he is able to open the seal, and he is opening up the seal, and that's what we are talking about—the sixth seal. So we are living in that time of the sixth seal. And what does actually also, uh, and John chapter twenty, John chapter six, verse twenty-four, it talks about how um, the seal or a State Bible Commentary, talks about how Jesus was sealed when he was baptized. When he got baptized, when he came out, what happened? The Holy Spirit came down as a sign, and then there was a voice heard from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Right? So you you better listen to him. That's what happened. And that's the time where God sealed him when he started his public ministry. So he was, Jesus was sealed at that time. So, what does that being sealed mean in the Bible context? If you are, if someone is sealed, we talked about how a seal would work in a setting of a tomb or a cave. Or an object, or a box, or something, so that no one can open it or break it. But if a seal would be on someone, a person, what do you think that would mean? Okay, settling the condition. So here, a the Bible commentary from uh, Revelation chapter three, verse uh, seven, verse three, it says, "The seal is to." to be affixed upon God's faithful servants is the pure mark of truth. It means it's pure mark of truth. And the mark of his approval, according to uh, Testimonies, Volume 3, page 267. And it attests likeness, quote, likeness to Christ in character. That's what it means. So if someone is sealed, that means you have the pure mark of truth and you have the approval of the person who is sealing and you have the likeness of Christ in character. That's what someone being sealed means. So let's think about what Jesus was and how we can have the seal of God, which would have the same character of Jesus. Okay? So, um, what did Jesus do differently than other people in his character? When, uh, when other people were killing him, mocking him, try to harm him, what did Jesus do for them? He prayed for them. Prayed for them. If someone is mocking you, and trying to harm you, trying to kill you, do you think you can actually pray for them? We would naturally like to defend ourselves and fight back or run, right? That's what we would like to do. I mean, normally that we would do, but Jesus said he was praying for the people who were killing him. And what about, would you be able to stand for the truth? Like when Jesus went into the temple, he saw the merchants and people who are exchanging money. When he saw them, he had this righteous indignation. And he would stand up for God and says, he drove out all those people that are selling things in the temple. And says, my house is a house of prayer. Someone who will stand up for the truth. Someone like Martin Luther, someone who will stand up for the truth. Would you you be able to stand up for the truth and defend the truth? even put your neck out there, that is Christ-like character. And someone who would pray day and night, and someone who will be doing God's will, not only doing God's will, doing God's will, and says, this is my food. Remember the story of Jesus at the, uh, the well of the woman of, of Samaria? And disciples went to get food because they've been walking all morning long, like six hours, and Jesus says, well, I'm not hungry when disciples Je- when brought food, because he says, doing the will of God is my food. So doing the will of God is more important to him than the physical food. I don't know about you, but I get really hungry. <laughs> if I skip one meal, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's not easy. If I skip two meals, oh man. <laughs> um, but doing the will of God is more important than physical food. And also someone who is constantly connected with god all his life and the list goes on and on and on about having the character of god and and that's what it means characteristics so having been sealed with the seal of god means which means having the character of jesus and and the list also says in the bible revelation chapter 7 verse 14 says they came out of the hundred forty four thousand came out of what the great tribulation and washed their robes in what the blood and made that made them white in the blood of the lamb so they came out of great tribulation and they washed their robes in the blood of lamb and made it white so that's what they do and do you know what else they do to be part of the 144,000 and what else they need to do. Meaning, when they came out of the great tribulation, what does that mean? Coming out of the great tribulation. They went through the great tribulation. You know what that indicates? The great tribulation would mean two things, different contexts. One for people who have seal of God, and one something else for the people who have the wrath of God, or the mark of the beast. People who have the mark of the beast, the same time period will experience the plagues, the seven plagues mentioned in Revelation. But people who have the seal of God will go through the same thing, but they will go through this time of trouble, or we call it the time of Jacob's trouble. Meaning, this is a time that Jesus has come out of his uh, ministry as the most high uh, the high priest high priest meaning is there any more remission of sin forgiveness of sin no the high priest has already left his office meaning if you were to fall you don't have a mediator if you were to fall in sin you don't have a mediator to forgive your sins anymore So people who are sealed, meaning if you seal, the content inside inside cannot be changed. That's what it means. So when the seal of God is sealed upon those 144,000, the character of those people will not change. That's how God seals people. Meaning they are ready to stand up and go through the trials without who? The mediator or without without Jesus interceding for us in the most holy place. Meaning if they were to fall and sin, there is no more forgiveness of sin. Meaning they are eternally lost. Which will not happen because God will not seal those people who will sin. So these are the people who are sealed, meaning who will not sin. Meaning they would rather die than Break God's commandments or break his will. Those are the people who are coming out of the great tribulation. Those are the people who are sealed. And you know what? The Bible says they are the first fruits to God and to the Lamb. Why are they the first fruits? First fruits of salvation. I mean, aren't there people that have died in the past, but they have been saved? We know for sure they are saved. Like people like Moses, who are already in heaven, or like Elijah, who is already up in heaven. Aren't they saved? They are saved. That's why they're up in heaven, right? But why are they not the first fruits of salvation? How come the 144,000 are the first fruits of the salvation? Why? The reason why these are the first fruits of the let's read Revelation fourteen four, just to be sure that you you know that this is the first fruit. Revelation fourteen verse four. It says these are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they kept themselves pure, they followed the Lamb wherever he goes, they were purchased from among men and offered as first fruits to God and the lamb. So they are the first fruits. So, how are they the first fruits even I mean they are the ones that come out at the very last chapter of human history? What it is is that God needs a group of people who would be the witness at his trial. Satan has accused God saying that your law is not correct, and what you are saying is a lie. You say you are love and you are saying anyone can keep your law, but that's false, and that was his accusation, and God needed someone to prove that, you know what, my law you can keep, and I can, the, the law that I have is actually fair for everyone, and God needs a group of people that will stand up and say, I would rather keep the law of God and I would put my life for that. I would rather die than break God's commandments. God needs someone like that. Can any human being in this world, up until, up until this time, can anyone have, can anyone? Do that prove that they could do it they could stand without the intercessor without the meteor up in heaven interceding for their lives nobody yet not even Enoch not Elijah no no David not even Moses nobody was able to do it so what that means is that people who will go through this time of Jacob's trouble time and who will be sealed God's seal has not come yet in in full measure um God needs those people to prove to Satan and say, Satan, look at these people. These people are keeping the law of God and they're willing to die for it. And God needs those people to have them stand as a witness in his trial. And God didn't have that people. Not even Elijah could do it, not even Moses could do it. That's why they are the first fruits. Of salvation, first fruits to God and the Lamb. And you know what? Without them, anybody else that are going to be saved and go to heaven, those are all extras. Did you know that? So if you and I go to heaven without being part of that 144,000, we are saved as an extra. God will save the first fruits. 144,000 first, and God will save them. And everybody else will be saved by God's grace, but we're all extras. God needs that group of people to show, to prove to the universe, and to Satan, say that my law is right. That's the group that we are talking about, 144,000. So they are the people that will see God, see Jesus coming when he comes down at the second time, when he comes back. His second advent, and they're the people who will be alive. But let me ask you a question Are they the people who are only alive during the time of his second coming? That's how I thought all this time, all my life, up until recently. Is there any proof to show that people who have that? so then pastor, do you mean that people who have died in the past can be part of 144,000 too? Yeah? Okay, let's 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 check. So talking about the seal, what is this seal of God? Can you find any seal in the Bible? What what does what does a seal include? What must it have to be a seal? If you've been to any of our prophecy seminars or uh, seminars, then you would understand what I'm talking about. A seal must have three things. What are those three things that a seal must have? It's a name of the person who is sealing and the title of the person who is sealing and the dominion of the person who is sealing. Now, which, where can you find all those three? in one package in the Bible. Seal of God, where can you find that package? It's actually Sabbath, the fourth commandment. That's why Sabbath is the seal of God. So let's talk about this. So if you read uh, Exodus 20, I'm not going to go there and read it because you will know it, but Exodus 20 verse 8, when it talks about Sabbath commandment, what is the name of God there? Should we go and read it? <laughs> okay, let's go, and kneel, uh, let's go and read it and, and actually nail it. <laughs> Revelation 20, not Revelation, Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days thou shalt labor and do your work, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, to the Lord your God, on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your maidservant or manservant, nor your animals nor the aliens within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. So let's go. What is the name here? First, first one was his name. It says, Lord Your God. So Lord God is the name. What is his title? His title is He has created everything. Created everything. So he's the creator or the maker. That is his title. And number three, what is his dominion? He rules over everything the sky and earth and everything in them, right? So if you were to look at the seal of, let's say, the president of the United States, it has that name. So, name of the president title, the president of the United States, and then the dominion, the U.S. That's what a seal must have. And Sabbath has that seal. So, now we just prove that Sabbath is the seal of God, right? So then, um, for you to have a seal of God, you need to keep what? The Sabbath. That's what it means. Now, when did we keep the Sabbath? Uh, Let me rephrase it. When did we restart keeping the Sabbath again. Because God has given Sabbath from creation, and we've been keeping Sabbath all along. Jewish people have kept the Sabbath throughout the whole time. But something along the line changed, and then people nowadays, most people go to church on Sunday. Right? So we keep the Sabbath, and when was that? During the early Adventist movement, we started uh, changing the date. And I, I don't think you remember the date, so I brought the date. <laughs> so the Sabbath movement, Sabbath reformation, started to come suggested so by Joseph Bates in 1847. That's when it started. So Ellen White, did Ellen White keep the Sabbath from the beginning? No. She was a Methodist, so she didn't. But along the line, so from 1847, it was suggested And then later on, in 1855, they didn't have general conference meeting yet. General conference meeting. Our Adventist Adventist church was formed in 1864, 63. So in 1855, there was no general conference. But they had so-called Sabbath meetings or uh, uh, sanctuary conference. Sabbath conference, sanctuary conference. So they had like long weekend meetings of talking about the the doctrines of our church and finding what the Bible was saying. And in 1855, they have confirmed that the Sabbath actually is Sabbath, and they started keeping the Sabbath. From 1847, they've been influenced and they've been keeping the Sabbath. But 1855 is a time they have actually confirmed everything about the Sabbath. Did you know that Adventist church did not keep the Sabbath from sunset to sunset at the beginning? Do you know what time they kept? They got together and they had a meeting. So when does Sabbath start? From what time to what time? And they all said, okay, evening starts at 6 p.m. So Sabbath is 6 p.m. If you were to keep Sabbath at 6 p.m., what happens today? What time does sun go down today? 7.21? Okay, someone looked it up. 7.21. So if Sabbath starts at 6 p.m. today... Well, yesterday, and then it ends at 6 p.m., it's not right at the sunset time, right? So it, it doesn't make sense. But for them, they were like, you know what? Sunset to sunset, they didn't have that concept. It starts at 6 p.m. Friday, and then it ends at 6 p.m. Saturday night. That's how they thought. And they and people who went against that idea of sunset to sunset, and they said, you know what? It's starting from 6 p.m. to 6 p.m., and it was actually um, mrs white who said 6 p.m to 6 p.m i agree with 6 p.m to 6 p.m <laughs> but jane andrews was the one who went and studied and said suggested with all the bible verses and the proof that it should start from sunset to sunset and that's what was confirmed in 1855 and and god showed her a vision saying that jane andrews was right and you were wrong Ellen White. <laughs> that's what happened <laughs> um, so that proves that our, our doctrine ex- actually came not from Ellen White's vision. It came from the biblical sound doctrine, and then Ellen White's vision was to prove what they have studied from the Bible was actually correct or incorrect. That's what happened. So, Sabbath is a seal of God, and that's what it means. So, Sabbath keeping started from 1847-ish, 1850 around that time. So, people who have started keeping the Sabbath from 1850, are they part of Sabbath-keeping people? Yes, they are. They've been keeping the Sabbath. Not, not just like us, they've been keeping the Sabbath. What about, there's another category that, that needs to fulfill to be part of that 144,000. Revelation 14, it says this, 14, 13. Blessed are the dead while... Uh, which die in the Lord from henceforth. What that means is this. People who, are, who die from this point on is blessed. And that verse comes right after what message? Revelation 14 is talking about the three angels' messages. So the first, second, and third angels' messages. And right after the third angels' message, it says people who are dying after this is blessed. Why? Because they now understand the three angels' messages. So, for you to be sealed, you need to have two things. First, you need to keep the Sabbath, understand the Sabbath message, and have the seal of God, because that is the seal of God. And you need to understand the three angels' messages. So, that's why Adventist Church is blessed. We keep both. We have both. However, people who have kept the Sabbath. Understood the third and first, and second, and third angels' messages. People who have kept those both, are some of them dead? Yes. People like uh, Jane Andrews, Joseph Bates, or uh, people like James White, like Mrs. White's husband, they, have, they are the ones who have studied this. They're the ones who understood this, understood the meaning of people who die from now on, you are blessed. And they're expecting to be part of this 144,000, but they're dead. Can they be part of 144,000? Yes? No? (laughs) Let me read a, a quote from Ellen White, and you can see it on the screen as well found in Letters 10, uh, 1850, or Second selected Message, page 263. It says, I saw that she, talking, referring to Mrs. Hastings, who had just died, I, I saw that she was sealed and would come up at the voice of God and stand up in, uh, stand upon the earth and would be with the 144,000. I saw we need not mourn for her. She would rest in the time of trouble. So, she had just passed away. And Ellen White has seen the vision of her standing with the 144,000. And some people may argue, the word with, I mean, she should have used, she's part of 144,000. That word only means that she's standing next to 144,000. It could mean that. But, I think she is referring to she's part, or Mrs. Hastings is part of 144,000. So knowing this, I think people who have understood the Sabbath message and three angels' messages can be part of 144,000. How is it possible? Because they need to go through Jacob's trouble time. They may be resurrected during the special resurrection to, to see Jesus coming. Uh, they may resurrect, and then they go, to, go through the Jacob's trouble time. And then be part of it. I don't know exactly how God will work the, the details out, but they could be part of this. They could be. So that's that. Now, my time is up, but uh, people argue about is this a uh, literal or a symbolic? <laughs> is this number literal or symbolic? People argue about this all the time, all the time. But this is not our focus. That is not—let me just lay it out flat. This is not our focus. That's, that's not something that should consume our time. But just to give you a few points, 144,000. People who say those are literal, people who say those are symbolic, they're all mixed up. But um, 144, meaning 12,000 from each tribe, 12 tribes. If you look at the list of Revelation, the list is anything—nothing like the, the list that you find in the Old Testament. Like in Genesis or in Numbers, it's, it's not the same. If you look at the list of Revelation, uh, tribe of Joseph is in and tribe of uh, um, Dan is missing. So what happened there? And because of Joseph out, you need to have uh, Ephraim and Manasseh in. But because Joseph is in, uh, one of the tribe is out and they took Dan out as well. Maybe because Dan participated in in, uh, idol worship. We don't know for sure, but it says 12,000 from each tribe. That's what it says. But does that mean there are only 144,000 people being saved alive and be part of this first fruits? That's really small if you think about 144,000. Those people who believe this number is literal have a point because if you think about any other numbers counting people in the Old Testament— when they counted the number of soldiers, people who counted, people who go in inside the promised land, were those numbers literal? Yes. Those were literal numbers. They were not symbolic numbers. So why not all of a sudden this number is symbolic? So they have a point. At the same time, people who say those are symbolic have a point too. Um, okay. How? Okay, so let's, let's think about this. Twelve tribes... Do you find 12 tribes now? They're all gone. Assyrians, Babylonians, they came and assimilated everything. So you can't really find which tribe there are. So counting 12,000 people from each tribe is just physically not possible. And it says those who are virgins, not married. Um, Is that symbolic or literal? Women in the Bible or in, in Revelation, means church or doctrine, right? That's what it means. So not defile themselves with women does not really mean got married. It means they kept their doctrine pure. That's what it means, right? So that's symbolic. So how can you say one is literal, one is symbolic? Um, so those are those, just to mention a few. But just to say, whatever, whether the number is literal or symbolic, it's not the point, the point is that we need, to be, we need to try to be part of it. We need, to be, we need to get to that. That's what it is. And some people say 144,000 may not be exactly 144,000 because when you count numbers in the Bible, like feeding of 5,000 people, 5,000 really meant Jesus fed only 5,000 people? It's 5,000 grown-up men they counted, right? So when they counted 144,000, it must mean... Only grown-up adults, 144,000, because it's John who wrote it, right? So it could be more other ladies, other children part of it, too. So that's another argument. But anyways, regardless of, regardless of that, these are the people that would learn a song of Moses and the Lamb, song of experience, someone who have come through this time and they can sing from their own experience. That's what it means. Let me just share this point and I'll, I'll end. Um, okay, so if you are given a time machine, I'm being very um, funny here, but if you are given a time machine and you can go, get, go back to any time in the Bible, which time would you like to go and, and witness that yourself? Would it be the time of Adam and Eve and you want to see Garden of Eden yourself? Or would it be time of Noah that you can see actually the ark And see animals coming in? Would it be the time of of Samson that you want to go and see how strong he is? Would it be the time of Solomon that you see how wise he is and see actually the splendid majestic temple that he built for God? Would it be that time? Would it be the time of David that he's singing? Or would it be the time of of, uh, the judges? Would it be time of whatever the time may be? Would it be the time of Elijah, see the fire coming down from heaven? Would it be the time of of resurrection of Jesus? Would it be the time of Jesus actually feeding the 5,000 and actually be able to eat that miracle bread and fish? Would it be that time? What time would that be? I mean, there are so many options, right? Which time would you like to go back? But let me ask you a question if you were to ask any of the patriarchs, anybody in the Bible, if they can change, switch their spot with you and me right now, do you think they would like to switch that? I believe so. I believe so. Without a doubt. Why? Because you and I have the privilege to be part of this 144,000. If you were to ask, like, Isaiah, or Jonah, or our, uh, Samuel, or David, they will say, me, please switch spots with me. I want to be part of the 144,000. I want to be part of the first fruit that can testify to the whole universe and say, you know, Jesus is right. God is right. I want to be part of that group. But they cannot because they lived in the past times and they cannot be part of this group. You and I can So friends, what are you waiting for? We should be part of that 144,000, that special group. Do you want to be part of that group, friends? Do you want to be that group where they follow Jesus, they follow the Lamb wherever the Lamb leads? And are you part of the group where you can say there is no guile, there is no impurity found in them? And 144,000, the people who are part of this group, they can prove to the whole universe that God was right all along, and Satan was wrong. The last quote that I want to share with you before we pray is this, found in Rivian Herald, March 1905. It says, let us strive with all the power that God has given given us to be among the 144,000, and let us do all that we can to help others to gain Heaven. Is that your prayer today to be part of the 144,000? And I pray that you all will wish and strive and try and pray hard to be part of 144,000. Let us all go to heaven together. But not only that, let us try and strive to be that 144,000, the first fruits of salvation. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, We're so grateful that you have given us the privilege to understand the seal of God, the Sabbath message, and to understand the three angels' messages. And if we have neglected studying those things, help us to study them more. Help us to understand what it means to have the seal of God, have the character of Jesus in us, and have the seal of God among us. Your seal is about to to pour upon your chosen people and God is waiting for the people to be sealed and we are living right at that time, Lord, where the whole history of this world, the people who have lived in, throughout this history are waiting, wanting, wishing to switch their spots with us so they can be part of this group, but they cannot and we are living in this time. But are we ignoring this? Are we neglecting this, Lord? Help us to have this yearning and the desire and the zeal to be part of this 144,000, Lord. Please bless every single one of us here, everyone watching online, so that we can prepare our hearts to be part of this first fruit for you and for the Lamb. Please bless us so that we can all go to heaven and sing, learn to sing, the song of Moses and the Lamb. Bless us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise team, please come on up.